Welcome back. My name is Kit Laser. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things with a very special episode today. We're going to be talking about our top five favorite A24 movies. What does that mean? Movies produced and or distributed by the A24 studio system in honor of the strike. And with us again today is Alex. Hello, Alex. I feel like I should have brought two shirts. So you could change? Yeah. No, it really created the illusion. A lot of people are just going to think you wore the Skyline Coney's shirt twice this week. I could be. I do do that. Do do. I've been wearing this loud ass shirt all week, too. How do you not? It looks beautiful. Brings out your eyes. Thanks, buddy. Aw. Guy. Yeah. (laughs) This is an Avatar The Last Airbender shirt. Is that what that is? Yeah. I didn't know. I was too afraid to ask. Yeah, now I see it. I was too afraid to ask. (laughs) Might have been something weird. (laughs) I didn't want to just be like, hey, man, what's your shirt? You know, I wanted like, hey, how are you? Well, yours is kind of obvious. It's it's right there. It's a Coney. It's part of my weird sex cult. Right. Mm This is a Nexium shirt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so A24 is one of the, uh, I don't know if it's few, but one of the studios that has agreed to the interim agreements of uh, the Screen Actors Guild and the WGA. So they, they've they said that we will honor your terms when the strike's over. It it, 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 it affects mm-hmm. retroactively. So they're, they're, they're leading the way. Like Good for them. We, with the original 2008, or original, with the last writer's strike, uh, Lionsgate was one of the studios, the biggest studios to kind of pave the way and mm-hmm. sign these interim agreements. So even though my hat says strike and it's an A24 hat, it's not intentional. A24 is catching strays. This is just mm-hmm. the hat that I'm um, used to wearing. People are used to seeing me in. And so I wanted a strike hat. And so this actually has nothing to do with A24 itself because uh, I get a lot of questions about that. Does anyone ask if you're just like a big fan of baseball? Like, do you have like a balls hat that goes with it? No, that, that never happens. Okay, well, I think they, I'm so obviously not one. athletic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like strike. Can't get it. Right. Um, it is a baseball hat, too. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we're doing. We thought we would just talk about some of our favorite A24 movies uh, real quick. Just a quick, fun episode. And right off the bat, I want to tell you guys um in doing this list, which was fucking impossible, by the way, there's so many good films curated by A24. There was quite a few, I think people might expect to be on my list that I have not seen. So I just want to address the elephant man in the room right now. That's not one of them. Um, Is it David Merritt? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have never seen Minari yet. It's a very popular film. It's supposed to be very profound and affecting um, starring Steven Yeun. I've not seen it. I've never seen The Farewell. Uh, Sophia Coppola's The Bling Ring probably wouldn't have been on there, but I might yeah. love it. Haven't seen it. Um, Oscar Isaac's A Most Violent Year. Never seen it. Um, the Amy Winehouse documentary is supposed to be transcendent. Never seen it. Uh, what's a, what's another? Have you seen it? I haven't. No, no, no. I see it. No. I see oh, good there. cut. Good Amy Man. cut there. Uh, Kresha. about the horror movie. <laughs> it's not related at all. Man. Uh, Kresha. Haven't seen that. Um, bunch of big ones there. Uh, oh, Last Black Man in San Francisco, another mm-hmm. huge one that I want to catch up to very, very soon. So there's a few, a few biggies there um, that are not going to be on my list. But also, this top five is so arbitrary. Yeah, uh, it was fucking. Where in the tough. top five do you f- start finding problems to like finish the list? What do you mean? Like, I feel like I can. I knocked one and two out real quick. On this three, I had a pretty good feel on. It's when I get to like the four or five spot where I got to start really making cuts. No. Yeah, so that's where whenever I start getting doing like top fives, it's like the four or five. The entire thing was a problem for me because yeah. like the number one was pretty easy, but it's such a cliche answer. 
mm. for the times that we're in mm-hmm. that I was like, but I think it's honestly the answer. Like, do I think another one of these films is actually better than this film? Sure. No. Right. But do I hate putting this at number one because it's such a recency bias kind of sounding mm-hmm. thing that I was like, but I was like, honestly, yes. But uh, the I other think we four, have the same number one. I'm sure we do. <laughs> uh, but the other four, man, could have been any of the other 10 uh, movies that I had on my uh, Dark Horse list, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, here, let's talk about some Dark Horses real quick. Okay. Movies that you will not see on my list, but literally it was almost like I used a randomizer could have been. That's how much mm-hmm. I love these movies. Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Midsummer, uh, Both X and Pearl that came out last year. Mm-hmm. I thought were fucking phenomenal. I love those movies. Um, the Florida Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, American Honey. Green Room. Mm-hmm. A, a Jeremy Sonnier film. I adore. I think yeah. it's incredible. Not on my list. Good Time. Mm-hmm. Uncut Gems. The Softy movies. I, you know, I, all of these movies are incredible. But two big ones I do want to shout out. That I don't, I don't think many people have seen. Uh, many of our listeners probably have not seen these, and I really want you to watch them. One is called Locke. Mm-hmm. L O C K E. Have either mm-hmm. of you seen that film? Yeah, we talk, we've talked about Locke on here. I think we one have. One of the few times I've been on. The entire movie is just Tom Hardy in a car. Not to be confused with Mad Max. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, on the phone. And so all the other characters, one of them is played by Olivia Coleman, I think. One of them is Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it is. Uh, (laughs) it was before he was so hot right now that's right um and it is a a riveting movie okay uh directed by stephen knight i think Mm -hmm. um and then the other one i watched recently and i'm hoping either of you have seen this it's called under the silver lake have not it's the same dude that did it follows it is it's the it follows director i fucking it's like Mm neo-noir it's weird as shit i love noir Mm -hmm. um and it's got andrew garfield I really, really, I wanted to put Under the Silver Lake in my top five just to be like that guy. Like, sure. I got a curveball. Oh, and, yeah. But I just wanted, I didn't. So I want to take a moment to say, watch this fucking movie. I think it is highly underrated. Uh, but any of those movies could have been in that top five and it would have been, I, I would have been just as confident. Yeah. So at this, at this point, I was like, we're just doing this for fun. Here's five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Um, is there any dark horses or anything you want to shout out? So I, I had a little bit different parameters because like my list is like like what I was what I would have included as a bit different, I think, than yours. Because what I went through on Letterboxd was just under production companies, basically. I mm-hmm. just searched A24. And so I didn't get the movies they distributed. I just got the movies they actually like produced. So I was working yeah. with a little bit of a smaller thing. And then I wanted to avoid anything I've mentioned on here before. So in the 2021 yeah. episode, I mentioned Green Knight and I mentioned Come On, Come On. So to try and keep listeners involved. I expected to see Come On, Come On. Yeah. Now I was like, I've talked about that before. And if they want to listen, they can stay on Spotify. I'm glad you're not talking about and Green Knight. going the best of 2021. Because, you know, you got to keep, keep the kids ears on on Steven and, and Chris's smooth jazz tones. This guy casts. Casted. casted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Pearl was one. Uh, I I am not a big. Is it, is it just Ty West? T I West? And how Ty Ty? Okay, I wasn't sure if it was like each letter is its own thing. Yeah, you know? like T I. But uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So I am not a big Ty you West fan. You can add whatever you like. Except for, you know, <laughs> Pearl on fucking 4K. But uh, so I really love Pearl. I was not a big House of the Devil guy. I'm not a big X guy. Uh, but Pearl, I really, really loved. I don't know what about like Mia Goth's sort of like Judy Garland, Shelley Duvall hybrid that she plays here. Yeah. But it's such a great like love letter to slashers as well as love letters to like 50s MGM films, mm-hmm. which is just both up my alley. Yeah. Uh, I love she that tried, one. She fucks a scarecrow. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, the other one was uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yes. Big I, fan. Bodies I really cute. loved that. I thought that was yes. Uh, I thought the social commentary on that was like really smart. Uh, I thought it was a little too densely packed. Like it's one of those where it's kind of like almost the thing that people would say about Arrested Development, where it's like it's only as funny as the jokes you get. And they're so tightly packed in there that sometimes might fly over your head. But I loved that movie for as much as I could. And I've never heard upper middle class used as such a biting uh, insult before. Yeah, yeah, that was a great, great line. And it kind of woke me to um, both Mahala Harold and Amanda Stenberg. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't even know Amanda Stenberg was Rue from Hunger Games when I was watching that movie. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and then Mahala Harold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't whistle where I would do it. Um, <laughs> you don't got that in your wizard box? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> we need to put that in there. Um, and then Mahala Harold was in a show called Industry on HBO Max mm-hmm. um, that is really good. It's kind of succession-esque. Okay. Um, anyway, but yeah, yeah I, I, and I'm a huge, I gush over uh, 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 Rachel Sennett. I think she's yeah. like one of our preeminent talents mm-hmm. that we have right now. I was going to say, maybe in like a year or two, Bo is Afraid makes this list. But no. I... I I'm trying not to include anything from this year because I just it's recency bias. So there's some stuff from last big year. Big fan. I really liked it. I think that there is this sort of like subtle undercurrent in Ari Aster's filmography about predeterminism that no one's really explored. And I think Bo is Afraid is another step in that. But yeah, I really loved it. It's like a I love like, the first hour so much. It's just this giant Oedipal odyssey. You know, it's just yeah. I I call it uh, his three films together is the Wish My Mom Hugged Me trilogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. But I, I love Bo's Afraid. Well, I, I love one. that for you. Steve, you would hate that movie with a fiery passion of seven hells. Would I? You would. Oh, okay. You would. I would hate that movie. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. It was hard for me to actually come up with a list because I, I pulled up and I don't even know what was distributed, what was actually produced because I just typed up like list of all A24 films and just I wrote down the movies I had seen, mm-hmm. a lot of which I have not seen. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of A24 films are like, they lean into like the, 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 what was it called? High end horror, highbrow horror, elevated horror. Elevated is the word that people hate. (laughs) (laughs) Like a lot of them lean into that genre and I'm just not a horror genre person. So I don't see a lot of those movies out. But what if they were supernatural dramas? (laughs) (laughs) You might have me there. Okay. Yeah. Think of them that way. Uh, and then other, there are a lot of like super artsy movies that like I completely respect and I will watch and be like, wow, that was, I really like the craft that's on display. I'll never fucking watch this again in my life. I'm a big fan of the craft. Uh, <laughs> it's a great movie. <laughs> Light as a feather, stiff as a board. <laughs> that's, right. Movie. that's right. Uh, so it was kind of hard to come up with like a list of, of things like outside of my top five, I'm sure maybe like the most basic or maybe the most accessible films on the list feature in my top five. Um, but a couple movies that like I didn't put on my top five that I kind of had to shout out because I was like, oh, yeah, that movie uh, laggies. You guys ever see that? That's not mm-hmm. even a great movie, I don't think. But it stars <laughs> um, uh, Sam Rockwell and um, Kira Knightley. And Kira Knightley's like a. It sounds amazing, but yeah. I've never even heard of it. 
Well, like Sam Rockwell has a daughter and like a, like a, a young teen daughter and Kira Knightley plays this woman who's like in her early thirties, but like hasn't really gone anywhere with her life. And she like befriends this little girl at the park and she ends up living with them at some point. And Sam Rockwell falls in love with her and stuff. Uh, I don't even think it's that great of a movie, but like the message at the time when I watched it was like, oh man, I feel like her. <laughs> I'm also a laggy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then of course there's other movies like, um, like again, I don't think I'll never watch this movie again, but I loved watching like uh, a ghost story. Oh yeah. Or I loved a ghost story. It's great. I mean, just, 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 uh, was it Casey Affleck? Yeah. yeah, Casey Affleck and a ghost sheet for yeah. the entire fucking movie. Yeah. Five minutes of Rudy Mara eating a pie. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it, it's 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 a really incredible movie that I, I'll probably never watch again. And then the same thing with uh, the Lighthouse. Like I think the okay. the technical prowess to make that movie is incredible. I yeah. think it looks amazing. It's very depth depth. Uh, it's very deep with like its sense of myth and lore mm-hmm. and everything it's building on. It's just one of those movies where it's like. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate it a lot, but I don't know if I want to watch Willem Dafoe jerk off again. Like, you know. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself, buddy. You're fond of me lobster, ain't you? <laughs> it's very it's a very quotable movie, too. I say that in, in the bedroom bird. every time before climaxing. I go, you're fond of me lobster, ain't you? She loves it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> Doesn't he, like, fart a ton in that movie? Yeah, like, his character just farts all the time. Yeah. Which <laughs> what, it would make you go mad, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's a very flatulent and fluidous movie. Is the, yeah. yeah. I understand why Batman felt the way he did in that movie. Well, you know, there's that whole thing where Robert Pattinson is jerking off in, like, five of his movies in his filmography. Like, he... Is that Cronenberg one where he's on his way to get a haircut? One of them. Yeah. And it's like, I've never seen that. He just looks at the director at some point and he's like, think I should jerk off or yeah. what would that add? Well, it's kind of like how, like, which is weird because Tom... it didn't work for Louis CK. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's one of those things where like Tom Hanks pees in every one of his movies. So Robert Pattinson's like, I got to jerk off and everyone. I got to one up him. Right. Then yeah. Skarsgård in, in infinity pool was like, yeah, I got one, man. He was, I'm he showed some range in that movie. Yeah. You know? like, yeah, it, damn. It, it went far. Yeah. <laughs> <He> was, <laughs> that was one of those, but like by the end of it, I was like, ah, I get it now. Like, yeah, he's really good at acting. Like, oh, I think you meant great. the range of his ejaculate. Well, I just meant, no, I meant the range of his actual performance. Cause he's got to put it on. <laughs> yeah, that's an uncomfortable movie. He's got that to he, put it on. He's got to. I love that movie. Yeah, that was a good great. one. Um, so yeah, let's do this. Okay. So now we got some, some dark horses out there. Okay. Do you have I, some more? I, well, I th- no. Well, I just want to say I think one of the rules in our previous top fives is if like I mention a movie like my number five is this movie, but it might be higher on your list to abstain from talking about it until we get to where it's higher on your list just to kind of keep the conversation rolling. Mm-hmm. So meaning. Uh, um, so like if I say a movie is at my number five, but it's your number two, instead of like adding to the conversation I have about it at number five, you wait until we get to your number two and you'd say why it's number two and not number five. Yeah. So I would let you talk about it. Yes. And, but when it got to my number two, I would just briefly say something that would be, well, you would say your, your point of view when it gets to your higher number. Yes. G- gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Stan. Cool. So who, who's going to start us off out the guest. Yeah, let's have Alex. Right. Number Alex, five. you're you, number five. You had a hard time putting these together. You know, I, well, it was more or less, did I want to come in, like come, come in hot with a weird one, you know? And that's what I'm doing with number five being it comes at night. And I I think this might be, besides like knowing with Nicolas Cage, one of the more divisive movies uh, that I have given a very high score to on something like Letterboxd that just doesn't really carry the average weight. Uh, the first time I watched it, 
I was really unsure about it uh, for a while. And there was a spot where Joel Edgerton, who plays the father in the movie, he does something that's like super violent. I don't remember if he just shoots somebody or whatever, but he looks at the actor that plays his son and he says something along the lines of like, remember, I'm the I'm your father. I'm the only person that can keep you safe like this or something like that or everything I do is to protect you. And it was this weird moment where I paused the movie and I went, what was the director's relationship like with his dad? <laughs> and I Googled it and found out in his Wikipedia article that he wrote the movie shortly after his dad died. And like after having like a kind of like a final conversation thing, he went off and wrote It Comes at Night. Yeah. And I was like, this is starting to kind of make sense. And I saw somebody else's review that described it as the as like a the nihilistic view of a father's purpose. And like it really reshaped how I looked at it because it is really one of those weird movies. I, I call it like a spiritual successor to signs because one of the two things mm. they have in common is well, a couple of things is that it is very like paternal in terms of like the main characters and what they're trying to do. But also in both movies, we don't see or, <clears throat> excuse me, see or know anything more beyond what the main characters see or know that doesn't go to like a military base where they're like, <clears throat> we figured out the solution, you know, and like you're waiting for that information to catch up. You don't know anything more than yeah. <clears throat> anybody else. And I thought it handled it really well. That's a movie that I also really, really like. And yeah. I think that movie was kind of mismarketed. It, it looks it's marketed as like a straight horror. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people say, spoiler alert, it never comes. You know, uh, <laughs> was like the big joke about that movie. It's it's not at all like a no. a thriller in that in that vein. Marketing hurts movies like that because I can't tell you how many times when I worked at the movie theater, like a, a sort of artistically styled movie like that would be marketed as the scary horror movie. And then you get like the the people who just want the slashers and the saws yeah, yeah. would come and see that. And they're like, well, that was dumb. Yeah, right. I didn't get it. And it's one of those things where like, well, that was never for that type of person, but they're marketing to that type of person to get their money because mm -hmm. yes. that's a wider pool of audience. That's a larger audience than, say, the audience that might actually enjoy that movie. Yeah. And I think like in uh, the kind of movies that A24 typically produces, that kind of happens a lot yeah. where they don't know how to market it because it's like, how do you market first cow? You know, um, you got to kind of lie. And uh, but I think now mm -hmm. their own branding is so strong yeah. that just the A24 is like, oh, like, I'm going to go see some fucking weird shit, right. bro. You want to go? <laughs> and it's they don't need to do that anymore. But, but back in what was it, 2017, when it Something comes like at that, night, yeah. um, it was right after he did Cresha. And it was mm -hmm. just like and nobody was going to go see that movie unless they got tricked into seeing like, yeah. oh, what's going to come? What's the elevator pitch for it comes at night for people who maybe never heard of it? Uh, it there is a virus, some sort of airborne virus that has taken out a large amount of the population. It's kind of everybody fends for themselves. There is a family that has this house out in the woods. that's kind of like a character within its own right where like it's one of those where it's kind of like the Shining Hotel where the layout and the map. Like if you try to like map that house out, it don't make no sense. It don't make no sense. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> And so it's a whole thing where, like, the scariest part is the humans. But it's, like, the whole idea of what I took away from it was not just the whole, like, father's purpose thing, but also just the absolute power paranoia it can have over somebody. Because it doesn't answer any questions. Like, you don't know any more as a viewer than you do as a character in the film. And so these people start trying to come in and out, and they don't know should they trust them. I think it's uh, Christopher Abbott's in it for a hot minute. Love Christopher uh, Abbott. But, yeah, it's... One of those where it's just you see these people at like their worst and not knowing, can I trust them? Can I? And you're seeing like that kind of thought process and how that propels someone in their decision making. But yeah, it's real good. I think it's like 100 minutes. It's not really long. Not that long. No. 
It's a quick breeze. Yeah, it's a tight. It's a nice, light, breezy tight movie. Hondo, you know. Turn it on on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon and think about your dad. Right. I think it was like <laughs> I watched that, Hereditary, A Ghost Story, and Jesus. maybe The Lighthouse, like all like in mm. a row, not in like the same day. Oh, but okay. it was one of those where it was like if I put it on like a suggestion thread where it's like, what should I see next? It'd be like a therapist would be yeah. the answer. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> Steve, so true. what's your number five? Uh, my number five is the 2019 horror film Midsummer. Mm. Midsummer, depending on how you want to pronounce yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, it is uh, directed by Ari Aster, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Ari Aster, starring Florence Pugh, and what I think is just an incredible performance by her. Mm-hmm. She's uh, amazing in it. But the, the it's about um, a group of young college s kids go to Sweden and or Northern Europe. It's not quite exactly said, uh, but it's for this Midsummer Festival, and they're like picked off one by one by this kind of cult that exists and worships the mm-hmm. the festival. And the the interesting thing, you know, everyone always talks about how this is a horror movie that's set in broad daylight, so there's not a lot of like dark, scary things jumping out at you. It's just like the the fear of like being in this strange uh, cult, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they seem nice, but like stuff keeps happening happening to your friends, and it's weird and. Uh, and then there's also the, the undercurrent metaphor happening of, between like her and her boyfriend, how it's like, they're not good together. There's a little bit of some like, um, mental abuse that's happening between them and her kind of trying to find this family of support that she's been searching for her whole life. It's, it's a, a haunting film. And as someone who doesn't really like horror films, I really, really dug this one. I, mm-hmm. I think, uh, one of our patrons forced us to watch this months ago. Yeah, it was one of our, I was going to say, we did a review of this movie yeah. some time ago. And I, and it's one of those movies I never would have watched, probably had no one forced me to, but I was really, really glad that someone suggested this because I came away like really, really enjoying this film. Mm-hmm. And I want to say to our listeners now too, like uh, if you've seen Midsummer or even if you haven't, the director's cut, I hate to be that guy. I talked about it when we covered it. Uh, it sucks. You can only get it yeah. directly from A24 if yeah. you buy their Blu-ray. It's big, like, book ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the movie is fucking way better mm-hmm. because the undercurrent, as you said, of, the, like, the abuse of the boyfriend is an overcurrent that just hammers the main themes way harder mm-hmm. and makes that ending, which is kind of batshit out of nowhere, kind of hard to empathize with in the in the, in the the feature length, or the, um, the theatrical cut. It is actually kind of like, mm, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Go, I mean, you go, girl. That scene of of Florence Pugh crying and then the other like cult members yes. crying back at and like mimicking <clears throat> what she's doing is some of the most haunting shit ever. But so, like beautiful at the same time. I swear to it. I, I can't put any proof to this whatsoever. So if somebody has a better ear than me, please do this. But I swear in the actual score there's this like underlying wave of florence pugh's like scream crying built into like the orchestration of the score and stuff too I, cool. I, I can't speak truth to that whatsoever but i swear when i was watching i'm like this is this sounds like the same sounds which wouldn't put it past me given like who's behind it yeah and everything I this love is that movie. the story of a girl incredibly for a gender. <laughs> <laughs> i absolutely love her um my number five is also a Trey Edward Schultz film. Okay. It's called Waves. Okay. It's the film that he did right after It Comes at Night. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. It's the Sterling K. Brown one, though, yeah. Uh-huh. He's I love it so much. Uh, it stars Taylor Russell. 
um, who you may recognize from a movie called Bones and All uh, with Timothée Chalamet. Timothée? Which is another movie by Luca Guadagnino that I adore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Taylor Russell is, is has floored me. And I loved her so much in Bones and All that I went back to her filmography and she hasn't done much. And so I, I came up with Waves. And this movie is stunning. I think it's Trey Schultz's best film. Okay. Um, but I, again, I haven't seen Kresha, the best yeah, film I mean, that I've seen. Sure. Um, but it is, it is, it'll punch you in the face mm-hmm. like Trey Edward Schultz does. And spit on uh, you. It's kind of like two, yes, <laughs> which, but not in a good way. Um, it will step on you, but in a bad way. Um, it is uh, essentially two different movies because like at the midpoint, something happens mm-hmm. out of nowhere. It changes the entire course of the rest of the film. Um, it is... Uh, Shocking and sad, but tender like everything else. What it's about is a a suburban family. It's kind of hard to talk about what it's even about without kind of ruining things. But it's about a suburban family. It's got a really uh, domineering father who wants the best for his kids. Like, you're going to join the football team and you're going to do this and you're going to kind of father. Right. You don't understand what it was like for me as a kid. Um, And then they navigate those kinds of tough familial relationships amidst a major tragedy that kind of comes in out of nowhere out of what is already like a really interesting, good movie. And then bam, it's like, Oh fuck, mm. you know? Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Um, it seems to be a running theme in this man's work. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought waves was stunning and there was no way I wasn't going to include it on my top five, especially since I think it's one of the underseen ones as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, you're number four. Uh, I went with after Yang. Uh, which is uh, Koganada's second feature following up from Columbus, which I have not seen. But after Yang, it's got Colin Farrell, uh, came out last year. It is, again, I think it's a short one. It's like 90 to 100 minutes. I think this is like one that. Steve would like. And maybe, yeah. It's really, really well done how it's put together. So it takes place in, in, I forget if it's a known future, like what year, but it takes place in the future. Colin Farrell and his wife have an adoptive Chinese daughter, and then they have a live-in android uh, named Yang, who is Chinese, who they brought, who they paid for. Uh, and purchase to it basically like help their daughter ease in like learn more about her culture and stuff like that because they don't feel like that's something they can provide to her as uh, her parents. Mm-hmm. And Yang was purchased like refurbished or something like that. Yang breaks and it becomes this whole thing where Colin Farrell try, is trying to get Yang repaired. But like there's different like steps along the way and it's kind of funny. But it comes to find out that Yang was owned by all of these other previous people and he was like this weird like prototype uh droid that would make random uh recordings into his memory of he was programmed to like record like five second clips of things he found memorable because the people that built him's idea was to figure out what would an android find to be worth remembering mm. and so when it cuts to it it plays with aspect ratios there's like two or three different aspect ratios throughout but anything that goes into Yang's memory are like these beautiful full frame. I don't know if you've ever watched any Terrence Malick films. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot of like Malick sort of impressionism. Uh, and it's just these beautiful full frame visuals. Then like it's one of those where like it makes you kind of just like take a look at things like what would like what is basically a baby find memorable, you know, in terms of and, like it's, it raises really cool questions and about like, you know, our dependence on technology and stuff like that, too. It's but it's really, really good, really heartfelt, like touching movie that the wheels kind of fall off and like towards the end. But then it's like the credits hit before it can like crash. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, After Yang's really, really good. Highly recommend if anyone's looking for like a more peaceful journey. Yeah, I really I missed that one last year. I did see Columbus, but I'm really I really want to see that. Steve, what's your number number four? Uh, my number four is a 2016 film starring Paul Dano. 
Oh. And Daniel Radcliffe. Yes. Directed by... The Daniels. The Daniels. Uh, this is a movie called Swiss Army Man. Mm. I, I love this movie so much. If you don't know what it's about, uh, it's about a young man played by Paul Dana who is uh, stranded on a deserted island and he comes across a, uh, a corpse, a dead body played by Daniel Radcliffe. And it turns out this um, this dead body is the Swiss Army Man of people. Like you can use his arms to chop wood. Uh, his farts can propel him across water to make a makeshift jet ski. And it's just this incredibly surreal film of Paul Dano working with this this dead dude, and they end up talking to each other, and uh, they can learn about life. And it's 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 surprise. It's a very silly concept. Sure, it leans hard into how silly and strange that concept is, especially with the physical comedy. Yeah, it's the existential dramedy weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, that's actually okay. an incredibly <laughs> okay. salient way to describe it. That. Yeah, uh, it also features features. The greatest line ever committed to film. I have quoted it oftentimes on this podcast, and that is, if you don't know Jurassic Park, you don't know shit. Mm -hmm. Greatest line ever in a movie. Uh, I just absolutely love this movie. If, you, if you've never seen it and you want to watch something that's a little bit weird, a little bit out there, pretty surreal, definitely give this one a shot. It's, it's delightful. Uh, my number four is a movie that Steve loves. Uh, it's called The Witch. <laughs> oh, yes. You don't like The Witch? You're not a big Vivitch fan? Or I was going to say The no. Vivitch. Vivitch. And again, it's another one of those movies where I'm like, wow, the craft on that is out of this world. Holy cow. The commitment to the, the detail yeah. of, of the movie. Bar none. Amazing. Fucking hate watching that movie. <laughs> ah. So it is, uh, I think, to date, still Robert Eggers' best film. Okay. Um, rivaled by potentially... The Northman. Yeah. I would um, give Northman his most film. Like it's his most Robert Eggers film. Yeah. I feel like it's I, the I need to rewatch summation of his part. I was a so little far. disappointed while I still loved it. A little disappointed by the Northman mm -hmm. where, but I haven't watched it a second time mm -hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and you really got to sit with his movies. It's not like you come out of like throwing your popcorn away going, wow, I fucking yeah. love that. That's not a Robert Eggers thing. I think yeah. I remember you being down on the Northman. I think I listened to that one. I was down. Yeah. Um, but as I've kind of thought about it, like certain scenes were so good sure. and I really want to watch it again yeah. now. Uh, I felt the same way about Bo is Afraid. I gave that, yeah. I think, two stars, yeah, two and a half like stars. Yeah. But like I love the first hour so much. Mm -hmm. I just fucking hated the the last two hours so much. Ah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and the last 10 minutes couldn't save it for me, even though that was great. Oh, it's so good. Like just all of it. Whereas Green Knight, ending Green Knight I fucking hated from yeah. the first frame till the last 10 minutes. Yeah. And then I thought it might be one of the best movies I've ever seen at the end, but it still couldn't erase the anger. Like I was actively I was angry. The last 10 minutes are the credits. Like, that's <laughs> right. what you're talking about. Pre-credits. Pre <laughs> um, like gorgeous frame. Yeah. Right? Like gorgeous movie. Yeah. But I was just like so mad. Just didn't do it for you. Anyway, the witch. I can understand the witch doing that to people. Honestly, it's just it? not a yeah. pleasant movie but to watch. As like an old English nerd. Mm-hmm. The language of the movie, mm -hmm. actually, other than turning me off, does the opposite. I'm so in. Well, right? there's, that, there's that bumper mm -hmm. at the at the end where it's just like, also, hey, we pulled a lot of this dialogue from actual historical documents and research. Like, yeah. We have, like, yeah. that's what I didn't. I was the same way when it, I first watched it, where I was like, we watched It Follows and then we watched The Witch right after it. So, like, was not ready for that. No, sort of, like, no, you no. Know, mm -hmm. Yeah, but it was one of those where it's like, again, with Robert Eggers, where you got to kind of put the work in. But, yeah, The Witch is 
Yeah, yeah one, I was yeah. floored. And uh, it's got Ralph Innocent in it too. Yeah. I love that dude's voice. He's fucking killer. He's so good. Yeah. Uh, but a- Anya Taylor Joy. And Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, She's great. I'm obsessed. I adore Anya Taylor Joy. And this was the first time anyone had ever seen her mm-hmm. pulled her straight from, um, I forget where she's from. She's from multiple places. Um, and I think it's South America and aren't we all <laughs> right? We just pulled her from uh, all of them. Child of the world. Uh, like I adore the, she's queen. actually from three different places, but she's like three different girls combined. There's on, on, <laughs> Anya, Anya, Taylor, and Joy. Joy. Yeah. yeah and she, it's like, like form them together. Like you make like a megazord. Yeah. <laughs> you make a megazord Give us a Malcolm Taylor Joy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been obsessed with this movie since the first time I saw it. Uh, great coming of age film. I almost, oddly enough. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I almost put it at number one. One. I mean, okay. that's how much I love. Yeah, the I wouldn't witch, blame you. The Vavitch. Um, I'm re- I'm due for a rewatch too. I've been itching to watch. It. I've been itching to witch. You've been itching to witch. Been itching to watch it. I've been itching to witch. Man, um, but son of a bitch, I love this movie. That's so good. <laughs> no more puns available. I'm gonna pass it to to uh, Alex at number three. So you can't just say no more puns available. <laughs> like have me on here. Anyways, number three, I'm going with the lighthouse. Okay. Uh, this was probably the hardest spot for me to fill. It's just like, do I really number three like the lighthouse that much? And it's probably the answer is no. But then I realized none of this matters. Uh, but the first time I watched it, it's got this absolutely bone chilling score. Like it's just so yeah. bass heavy. It's so like reverberating. And it was one of those things where just the, the audio nerd in me wishes there was like a mono track of the lighthouse sound, just all of it pumped through one single speaker. I'm just like, I bet that thing would just be a powerhouse. Yeah. But, uh, great. I really loved like Robert Eggers like exploration of lighting. Uh, and the way that he uses like the chiaroscuro, like noir style lighting and like the way he uses the black and white to accentuate moods and character development and things like that. I think it's just a technical masterpiece in terms of like working within limited frame, uh, going four by three or whatever. And then also within limited technical aspects of having to like limited being in color, but like having to expand more on your lighting to really get your, your points across when it ended. Those sets had to be like on fire to act like, I don't know how, like. That had to be so hot on all and those tiny all the little sets. And those yeah. layers and like, yeah. And it was yeah. once when it ended, I was very much just like, what the fuck did I just watch? Like, I've kind of very much, I'm just like, I don't, ah, you know, that was cool, but I don't know. And then I started re- researching more like Protean Tales, like the lore that he based it off of, like as like a folk horror piece. And like, mm-hmm. I read what the stuff was like he was aiming for. And I went, he nailed it. That was like, no complaint. Like, yeah. you nailed it. And, I, and then I went. I like those kinds of stories come to find out. It was like this huge eye-opening experience for me where it opened up this whole thing where I'm like, I like this stuff. And I'm like, I like mythology horror. I like folk horror. And like stuff. Yeah. it made me revisit The Witch. And that's where I was like, okay, I'm starting to really like get it now. And I think that's why Northman clicked so well. But uh, Did you know for- that Annie Taylor-Joy wanted to be the mermaid? Have you heard that story? No. Yeah, so she loves Robert Eggers. And she was so excited when he called her to be the Northman. Yeah. And, uh, but when he was doing The Lighthouse, he was like... Hey, there's no role for you because they're like, but it's just two dudes in the lighthouse. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I could be the mermaid. And he said, and I quote, uh, you really should not be this particular mermaid. Anya. Uh, <laughs> so there's a story. If you've seen the movie, you know why. <laughs> when uh, Gilmore del Toro uh, was making Nightmare Alley, he was doing Pinocchio off to the side, like getting yeah. that ready. And Kate Blanchett was like, I've got to be like, I love working with you. I've got to Can I please be in your next thing. And he's like, well, my next thing's Pinocchio. And like. The only role I have left is this like like a child, like a male child and a monkey. Oh, that's and why she, she played the and monkey. She was like, let me do the monkey. And he's like, 
can you give me like a monkey sound? And she did whatever noise she makes as Spazaturo in that movie. And she goes, it made Gilmore laugh. And he goes, you got it. And like, that's, that's how wild. she ended up as the I wondered why the yeah. fucking monkey is Kate Blanchett. Blanchett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's because she asked to be. And he's just like, let me hear it. And she said that she spent the entire movie like doing the voice work for that, just trying to make him laugh. That's so and funny. And that's pretty much how it all works. But I, I wonder how Kate. insulting that is to the mermaid actress that he was like, you don't want to be this mermaid. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's true. Meanwhile, mermaid actresses reading this article like, uh, fuck me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just lay on the rock and make weird noises with my tits out, I guess. And now she's listening to the show and she's like, I have a name. It's not just mermaid actress. (laughs) Actually, I don't know how to pronounce her name. That's what it's uh, Valeria Carmen, I think. It's French for mermaid actress. Um, It is. It is. French for mermaid actress. Uh, The merman. Uh, Anyway. Anything else you want to say about the lighthouse? I'm I mean, sorry. No, great performances, great use of lighting. If you're interested in like technical aspects of like movie making and trying to do like a less is more approach, I don't know. Or our pats beating us meat. Yeah, you know. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta you gotta put that jizz somewhere, you know. But like it's yeah, it's That's true. Never wondered what jizz look like in black and white mm-hmm. TV. It, it looks white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's true. We can, but, can we can confirm. Yeah, no, lighthouse is incredible. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but yeah, I'd say it's mine. Give me a 1.0 score. I didn't though. love it, but you sold me on it. Yeah. Just give me a center track audio. Just that's all I want. <laughs> Steve, you know. That'd be worth it. I, yeah, I get it. I, as soon as you said that score, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that would be dope. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. It can be tough out there as we try to navigate the many twists and turns that life throws our way. Not every problem we face has an obvious or easy solution, but talking through these issues can always bring major benefits. So whether you're dealing with a career change, relationship help, or just getting used to your new normal, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. I myself have benefited from therapy. I have benefited from BetterHelp. I was struggling to find myself and figure out who I was post-divorce. BetterHelp matched me with an amazing therapist who taught me all about codependency, what it was, and ways I can combat it and realize my whole true self. So if it sounds like therapy is the right move for you, then give BetterHelp a try. It's online, convenient, flexible, and can work with your schedule. Filling out a brief questionnaire is all it takes to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time. To start your own therapy journey, visit betterhelp.com streaming things today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash streaming things. Hey, Stream Fiends, over here at Streaming Things, we like to give a special shout out to all of our members of our Patreon, but we want to specifically shout out our super patrons for the month of August. So thank you, Becky Leduski, Kaylee Sampson, Stanton Valentino, Huckleberry Cauliflower, Giancarlo Gasparin, Mike from New Hampshire, Brett X, Emily Scarano, Little Tickler, Svento7, Jay Scramo, AK Ashley Ray, Adam Busby, Wendy O'Laughlin, Jason Hawkins, Trey Barrera, Conrad, David Malfara, Professor Beth RN, Rabbit Dog in a Barbie Car, Jose Ruben Cruz Rodriguez, Charlie Friday, Alexis Adler, The Pedal Peddler, Emmy, Joe Velez, Valerie, John Collins, Amber McVeigh, Amanda King, Trisha Bueller, Sun Loving Mortal, Suzanne Road, Jadinklage Morgoon, Jen Robinson, Kate, Kalisha Reeves, Aaron Armstrong, Kevin Strother, Jeanette Murphy, Ashley Powers, Stephen V, Casey McCain, and Enza. Thank you all so much and back to the show. My number three is um, a little movie that came out a 
a couple of years ago. I think it was 2021. Yeah, 2021. Marcel the Shell was shooting. Thank yes. you so much for amazing. Brandon. Thank you. I, I adore that movie. I love this movie so much. So I loved the, all the, the shorts that came out, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I love those so much. So, like, seeing them make a movie about it, I was already like super excited about it. And I love Jenny Slate. She's so funny. And the way they film, if you don't know, it's about a documentarian who moves into this house and there's there's this little shell creature named Marcel. It's, it's literally just a shell with like two little feet voiced by Jenny Slate. It's a little boy shell and it, it lives with its, its, uh, its grandmother. And he's just sort of trying to make a documentary about this little creature that has like these sort of whimsical but adorable takes on on life. And, you know, in the movie, at least, they're trying to figure out what happened to his family yeah. and the documentarian guy is trying to, he's also a character that's trying to help him out. And they end up on Leslie Stahl show 60, 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> uh, it's just such a wonderful show. And I don't know. I Hardy love, hairs. I, yeah. It's hard. Hardy hairs. Hardy one hairs. of the hardest I've ever laughed in the movie theater when that happened. And, and then also like, what was it like? So somebody, I met somebody once and she said, I didn't really have a body. And I just thought, compared to what? <laughs> <laughs> there's like, there's one line in there that was just one of those, like, I think it was just the time in my life when I was watching it or like how I was feeling at the time, but where she was talking or where, where she being Jenny Slade playing the male Marcel uh, said something where it's like, they stand out and they look at the outside the window and they just like sometimes life's just so dark. You just wonder, like, would I really appreciate this if I was somebody else? Yeah, and it was yeah. just one of those where I'm like, this is a PG movie. Like, yeah. this is whole like, what the fuck kind of like depth are we bringing to this? But like, I, it was one of those where I'm like, oh, like I'm in, obviously. But like, yeah, I love the way it just like so like maturely navigates like those sort of like mature and adult themes like amidst being like i get these hairs from the drain in the bathtub you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah there's not it's not just like pixar jokes that yeah. are good for adults that kids don't have to know about it's mm-hmm. like i watched it with my son I and mean, he was seven or eight at the time and uh he was like giggling and kind of into it it's yeah. cute but i'm on the other like i'm on the love seat and he's on the couch and i am Ball, I'm a fucking wreck. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a wreck. Yeah. And he's just like, I remember at one point he's like, what's wrong? You know, because he just doesn't, under, you know, yeah. doesn't. And I'm like, you don't get it. All right. <laughs> like, give it 20 years. Right. Motherfucker. It's sad. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's so deep. I love it so much. Yeah. That little shell will hit you with some, some existentialism oh real quick. Yes. Yeah. And it's. In the best of ways. Like, it's one of those movies that just makes you smile ear to ear mm-hmm. the whole time, and you'll cry a couple times, yeah. but it's a feel-good kind of cry. Uh, yeah. Marcel Lachelle, I think I've talked about it ad nauseum on the show, but go see it. I love it so yeah. much. Yeah. If, if you're in need of healing, that movie will Pure catharsis with shoes on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, my number three is one of the earlier A24 films where people started to be like, okay, Okay. Okay. Okay, Jella. What the fuck are y'all doing? I see you. I see you. Uh, And that is Alex Garland's masterpiece, Ex Machina. Mm. Okay, yeah. From 2014. Yeah. Um, What can I say about this movie that hasn't already been said? I mean, Oscar Isaac, I think it's the the biggest, like, push for the love of Oscar Isaac that we got other than Mm -hmm. Inside Lewin Davis. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like the dancing scene in this. It just kind of blew him up, I think. Alicia Vikander kind of fell off. 
Um, you know, maybe she she took that attempt at at Tomb Raider, and but I mean, yeah. she's stunning in this movie. Yeah, she's Oscar nominated. Uh, yeah. yeah, and Donald Gleason, of course. Yeah, what could you do? Brendan's son is going to bring it every time. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, this movie's been talked about so many times. There's not too much I can say that hasn't already been said, but I I adore it, and I wasn't actually aware of how entrenched in the culture Alex Garland already was. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy as a writer and a novelist yeah. was already highly lauded. Like I didn't, when I watched Alex Garland, I didn't know this guy wrote 28 days later. Yeah, I just thought, Oh, this is a new guy, a new director. And they're like, no, no, no. This is a yeah. guy who's been doing killer shit. Allegedly now ghost, directing ghost directed dread. Apparently that's what I heard. Yeah, People yeah. say that. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. Um, I didn't watch men. Okay. I, I know that it is not received well. I I really <laughs> liked it. I really, 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 really liked it. But also totally understand everybody who's like, what the fuck is this? Almost but everybody ubiquitously told me not if, to even bother. And that's how much they hated that movie. And if, I was like, really? The big thing is I feel like there's probably some common commonality in terms of people who maybe didn't like that movie when they watched it and also kind of struggle holding like a mirror up to themselves because there's a lot of weird, like the, the way I feel like men felt when I was watching it, which is a really weird sentence to say Hmm. is that it felt like Alex Garland was like trying to cope and rationalize and like kind of reconcile with like shitty behavior he's had in the past, which mm. who knows? I don't know the guy and it's not on his Wikipedia page. He doesn't have a controversies tab, but like <laughs> they it, when I was watching it though, like I was listening to like the way he wrote the men's dialogue and the way that like the weird, like kind of like point of views that it was filmed from and stuff like that. I'm just like, I feel like you have some shame and it has this weird, like, Ingmar Bergman film like feel to it where it is like you're grappling with some weird personal shit in this one. And I don't feel like it's for everybody yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, I thought men was fascinating. I do want to check it out. Yeah. And I've loved most of it. Like Sunshine, I think, is an underloved masterpiece. I think two thirds um, of Sunshine is really good. But let's not get into how Same. you're wrong about the yeah. third. And that's fine. Um, I agree with you. Alex. I didn't know. Love you. Th- did you guys know he wrote the Devil May Cry video games? No. no. Wow. Really? He's got a credit. I'm Man, just now seeing this right about Dante. <laughs> well, bloody palace mode, Virgil's downfall and was that some DLC self-titled devil may cry. I don't know. Did, <sighs> you, did you ever watch devs? Oh, and definitive edition and devs. No, I watched two episodes of devs. Loved every bit of it. Yeah. Never watched another one. That's exactly what happened to me. I watched two episodes and mm-hmm. loved what I was watching, but like fell off of it for whatever reason. Yeah. I hate when that happens. Love I mean, it's got Ron though. Swanson in it. So and I also annihilation's uh, amazing. I'm Annihilation's in the amazing. camp that does not appreciate annihilation as much as it should, should be change camps. I bought the 4k <laughs> version. Yeah. And cause the, the revisionist history had already like taken hold and everybody was like, yeah. no, annihilation is actually a masterpiece. It's the best sci-fi horror since the it's thing. just that last bit That's with the mirror history? monster. I was no, like, I'm gosh, out, bro. No, no, see, see, Dude, no I remember man. when that came out, people were like, that movie is incredible. Listen, listen, streaming thing patrons. They they put up these lame ass polls and you guys do not take advantage of the democracy. That is a, Annihilation needs to be nominated. And then you all just pat it. Make this make Chris make Chris. Make I couldn't even Chris. get him to vote for Old Boy for my birthday. The old Boy lays it on a bit thick. And <laughs> you were talking about endings that get kind of like no. Old Boy is one of them. That's, that's nah, a make, movie. make Chris I, revisit Annihilation. I please. love when these uh, for those of you who don't know our Patreon and uh, you can sign up for it at patreon.com slash streaming things at the five dollar tier and above. You can nominate polls that we do bonus episodes Plug on Steve. this month. <laughs> the theme of the poll is so Chris and I's birthdays this month. Mine's next week. Yours is the following week. 
and we each nominated two films, two films that we both love that haven't already been, you know, talked about about or or suggested. Um, I nominated E.T. Extra. (laughs) E.T. That would be a great one. Herbie goes bananas. E.T. Extraterrestrial and Baby Driver. You nominated Old Boy and what was the other one? I don't even remember. Well, there you go. I yeah. only wanted old boy. And baby driver. <laughs> the baby driver win or DDT win? And it was so funny because Chris texted me his two options and I see old boy on there. And my first thought is, ain't no fucking way <laughs> that even comes close to winning. No. Well, as soon and as I think you like said, one person voted for oh, it. Oh, man. As soon as you said, oh, In Bruges was my other number. Oh, in, oh, okay. oh, in Bruges is amazing. That is a really amazing As soon as you said E.T., I, I was like, well, we're fucking done. Like... <laughs> Our Gen X uh, listenership is going to immediately vote for the Spielberg Titan. Right. right. Which is what you got it. You got to stack the deck. You got to do it's annihilation. Right. That's how you get <laughs> yeah. the one. You get the one you want to win. Then you do come and see. You do yeah. Sallow. You do Decaglog. You yeah. do and you do Dogtooth. Right. Yeah. And then everybody's going to be like, this all sounds awful. And then nobody's going to vote. And then you guys like, well, as community, we pick <laughs> Annihilation. And yeah, this has 141 votes. E.T. has 56 percent of the votes. <sighs> Baby Driver has 20. And then my two have the other twenty two percent. I mean, Baby man, Driver and in, in Bruges, I think we should definitely circle back to. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with it for sure. Well, Old Boy, too. I picked that because on August 16th, it's remastered. It's going back into theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a fun movie to talk about for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Hilarious twist. But also <laughs> it just keeps twisting, by the way. <laughs> but also um, like the the brutality and the and the choreography, all that stuff, I think would be interesting. Yeah, but yeah. E.T., sure. That's our bag. That's our brain. It's gonna be a great episode. Let me just let me just lay so that many, down for you, get, you guys right now. It's like Steve's like Steve's got a list of impressions <laughs> for this whole life. Oh, I've been doing push-ups in anticipation <laughs> for this day. You I wake I wake up every morning and I crack an egg into a glass and I just drink it raw. <laughs> I just crack an egg into a glass, do my childhood Drew Barrymore impression. <laughs> Chug that egg. He fills a glass full of Reese's Pieces. And an egg. <laughs> and one egg. <laughs> and I chugs mean, it. Chris tweeted something like, well, man, I can't get anyone to vote for old boys. Fuck E.T. And I just send him the gift. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> he did. How would you? Why would you hurt E.T. so? Ouch. What did E.T. ever do to you? I'm due for a rewatch anyway. But yeah. uh, Alex, what's your number two? Number two uh, is Uncut Gems. So Uncut I, don't know the, Gems? I don't know if this interferes Gems? with anybody else's, but uh, I have seen Uncut Gems one time. This, this speaks to the testament of, of where it's ranked on this list. Is I have seen Uncut Gems one time. It was still during its theatrical run. And somebody said, hey, I have Uncut Gems. Do you want to watch it? And I said, sure. And it was not in the theatrical run. The audio was not great. It was a screener copy. It was one of those where it's just like, oh, like I did not have like my uncut gems experience should have been overwhelmingly negative just because it was like a shitty copy and it was like weird. And, you know, you, oh, just, so you watched like a, a bootleg during the theatrical run. You got it. And so uh, I, I watched it and it ended and I was just I remember sitting there and just being like, the fuck was that like specifically i remember the scene where he's bringing in the garbage cans mm-hmm. and he's bringing it in and it's quiet the music's playing or whatever and it's super tense and like he just goes by the camera it kind of lingers on that shot for a little bit nothing happens goes to the next scene and that was basically the entire two hours of uncut gems is what i felt like but then i realized how much like anxiety it's driving by mm-hmm. not having anything happen 
And like that's talking over each other. And that certain paranoia that it, that would sort of like drives like, you know, his character and stuff like that with like him trying to get his shit together and his gambling problems. Because your brain, having seen so many movies, is searching, you're, yeah, searching you're kind, for like, oh, this is what yeah, the thing it, happens. It's, and then it's, when it doesn't, you're unsettled. You're, you're Yeah. And you're kind of like replugging the wires a little bit or whatever. And then it ends. But one of the things and I was actually just talking to my brother about this last night and he made a really good point about it that I'm, I'm going to bring here is that Uncut Gems has a lot of the same like. <clears throat> sentiments and overtones of stylings of like filming style, color grading characters, the way they are like develop and portray and their usual comeuppance at the end and things like that of specifically post Vietnam America, uh, American films where it's like stuff like taxi driver, stuff like the Godfather dog day afternoon, like uncut gyms hits that mold so well. And that is one of my favorite eras of American filmmaking. So like it, yeah, I mean, I saw a shitty copy of Uncut Gems, and it's my second favorite A24 movie. I mean, I love that movie. I'm with yeah. you. It was another, that and Good Time yeah, were both. I've not seen Good Time. They're both like, I never want to watch these again, but mm-hmm. that was fucking amazing. Yeah. I tried to watch Uncut Gems a second time, and it was like not the right headspace. Sure. I mean, uh, yeah. It's, it's upsetting. Yeah. Um, But I, I, I actually was, I saw it in theaters, and it was the last movie I saw. Before the pandemic. Oh, lucky you. Um, There's like uncut gems. And then I missed a big theatrical release of Rise something. Skywalker. Birds of Prey. Oh. That was the last movie I saw. I saw it in gyms after Rise of Skywalker, okay. I think. But Rise it was Skywalker right around there. Fine, yeah. yeah. It was right around there. Sonic the Hedgehog? I saw it at the Esquire, too. Okay. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, Classy pandemic name. didn't see a movie until, what was it, Green Knight? I think we all went back together. No, it was uh, Quiet Place Part 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was good. Nice. That's a good movie. That's, That's a good one to go credit. back, yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I, I don't fault you for that. That was on my um, long list of dark horses. Yeah. Steve, you're number two. My number two was your number three, Ex Machina. Machina. Ex Machina. I'm not going to talk about yeah. it very much, but yeah, this, sorry. This movie is really, really great. Uh, everything you said is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a big sci-fi boy. and he is. has some traditionalist sci-fi too. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's why I really, really, why I think it speaks to me so much. And I actually, in college, I did a huge dissertation on the whole genre of sci-fi and you had to make a video essay was what it was. And this movie featured heavily in my video essay specifically, like there's these tropes in sci-fi where a lot of sci-fi movies have these character types. And there's like the, the God character who would mm-hmm. be like Oscar Isaac. Yeah. There's the, the tourist and or detective character, which would be Donald Gleason. And then the Gollum character, which is, um, uh, Alicia, uh, Vikander, is that how you pronounce her name? Mm-hmm. That's her character. She like plays Gollum the robot. Or like a Gollum, like precious. Gollum. Uh, go- uh, Gollum. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not a precious, but like the rock Gollum. Like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the quote unquote creature that has to be yeah. dealt with in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And I think the special effects on her specifically, cause she's this robot that has like a see-through abdomen and stuff, but she has like a human face. Yeah. I think the, the special effects are that incredible. And the ending is also one of those endings where it's like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That didn't end well for anybody. Yeah. Well, not for anybody, but right. you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and plus, you know, this was my introduction to Oscar Isaac and yeah. he's one of my mm-hmm. favorite actors now. And, uh, I think this might have been Dameron. Poe Dameron. <laughs> I was saying, uh, literally that's what you, that's what I yell when I stub my toe at night. He does. Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron. I'm like, come back to bed, Steve. <laughs> I, so when I watch on my I, way, honey, Poe Dameron. <laughs> I wanted to get how I've described Ex Machina right. So I was because I was riding a hot streak in December of 2020 when I watched it and uh, I wanted to get my words right here. So on on my Letterboxd review, I called Ex Machina a robust and brilliant dissection of the fragility of male masculinity and the yep. arrogance and human exceptionalism. That, I mean, you nailed it. That's, I was like, that's ah, exactly yeah. it. Yeah, I just didn't want to mess that up. Let me high five. <laughs> I, high five. <laughs> 
But yeah, no, Ex Machina is awesome. Good contact. Because um, <laughs> we watch the elbows. That's right. That's the, yeah. that's the secret. Yeah, you that's gotta right. keep an eye on the elbows. You always, you always make contact. Uh, my number two. That's where we're at, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Triple balls here. Dose. My number two is a movie that I have seen five or six times, and it's devastating. It's it's personal torture. It's also kind of uplifting. Um, it is. Uh, it's called Room. Oh, yeah. Oh, I almost put that on my list. Yeah, starring Brie Larson and of course uh, Jacob Tremblay. Um, this is another movie kind of like Waves in the sense that it's like split into two distinct um, acts mm-hmm. um, that are wholly different. They almost feel like two separate movies. Yeah. Um, this movie, the first time I watched it, my son was a year old. Mm-hmm. And I was, I remember I, I, this relationship fell apart because of this, but I was working constantly. You know, it was like 70 hours a week. Um, I'm not proud of this, but it's what I did. Like, I just felt like, oh, I, I'd never, I was newly sober. I was only like three years sober. And I, like, I was actually a general manager of a bar and restaurant. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm being like a real person. This is, this is what a man does. Right. And then also, I was uh, making these short films and like pursuing other things. And so like my whole, I had no time, but I remember like watching uh, my fiance at the time with our son and thinking like such a good mom. I'm so, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is amazing to watch. Like I wish I was that person, you know, and there's parts of this movie where you get to see her interact uh, all the good and the bad, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, with her son and, I, for some reason, it just struck a chord with like um, my window into motherhood, you know, yeah. and obviously there's a lot of dark things around this movie as Certainly. well. Um, but I don't want to make it sound like I cried just because it's like bad things happening to good people because it wasn't even really that. Mm-hmm. It was like there's so much in Brie Larson's performance um, outside of the trauma mm-hmm. uh, that she's able to, ref- I think, reflect truisms that that all mothers and even all people can relate to in this movie. And, uh, I think it's, I get shit a lot on the internet from like, uh, MCU incels who like hate Captain Marvel. <laughs> Fuck those people. Because whenever Fuck I'm, them. <laughs> you know why they're mad? It's cause they can't read Chris. <laughs> whenever, <laughs> whenever I, uh, talk about Brie Larson. It's always with such reverence yeah. because it's after I saw the short term 12 and then, yes, I saw this right after short term 12. Yeah. And I was like, this is one of the best actors I've ever seen in my life. Holy shit. Uh, which I cannot re- recommend short term 12 highly enough. Like, holy shit. That's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's I, incredible. She's a phenomenal talent. Yeah. And, uh, and this, but, but she's only chosen, like she did like that unicorn store movie that she directed. Um, I think that adaptation of the memoir Glass Castle, which I never watched, but I love the book and like fast movies Scott and Pilgrim. Marvel. This was after Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yeah. I just mean like since yeah. this, like she got won an it, Oscar got it, got it, got for it. this. And yeah. then it was just like, yeah, I'm not going to do anything interesting ever again. <laughs> I, was like, I get like secure the bag. Like, sure. Totally. I'm not yeah. one of those people that hates people for doing the $20 million movies. Secure that bag, baby. But also do the one for them, one for you thing or something, you know, like she and Nissan. I think there's a whole generation of people that don't know what she can really do. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, It's the same way with Pattinson too. You know, people knew him for twilight and then, well, the opposite though. Yeah. He got like the blank check. Sure. Whereas she kind of, I don't know. I'm not judging her. I love her. I'm just saying like, I want more rooms. I want more shirt to short term twelves. So you may be answering a question that I have been, like tossing around in here is, is mm. like, I've been watching more like older films and whatnot too, but there are actresses that I feel like 
we did wrong by in terms not we as like us personally as a society but you just like they should have been they were stars but they should have been bigger stars and like one of them is i don't know how like collectively we fucked up sigourney weaver so bad like between alien aliens and uh now i can't think of a Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters, thank you, geez. And Ghostbusters 2 and all that stuff. I feel like she should have been way bigger than just like in Dave. You yeah. Know, or something like that. And the same what? with uh, <laughs> How dare you shit talk Dave? <laughs> I got him confused with American president. But uh, the other one was uh, Faye Dunaway, who uh-huh. is like incredible in like Chinatown and Network and Network, Bonnie yeah. and Clyde. But like did Mommy Dearest well, and like her whole career just like tanked. we just We just recorded... Uh, Forrest Gump episode. I think Robin mm. Wright is yeah one of those actresses who's yeah. incredible. Who yeah. like there's this vacuum. I feel like in just in the way we talk about her, even though yeah. she's incredible. I feel like Brie Larson might. I don't know. Trajectory wise, could be. She seems happy, and yeah, I just you that, know that's I, fine. I, I, I think maybe my chronically online is maybe uh, this is maybe like uh, clouding the actual public perception of Brie mm-hmm. Larson. I just hope. People yeah, I feel understand like what a talent she is. The 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 vitriol that Brie Larson gets is strictly from people who only exist online. Like they are yeah. so ingrained in that online bubble of like MCU incelness that those are the only people that really most people I think would be like, oh, the girl from Captain Marvel, cool, or like, hey, she was in the Fast movies, I like that. Yeah. Um, I think the same thing happened with Robert Downey Jr. Where even in his own mm-hmm. words, he's like, I had to make sure I could still act when mm-hmm. I did Oppenheimer, which is kind of like a cheap shot. But still, I don't I hate mean, Marvel movies. I love no, all of them. Yeah, I'm just saying like, it's a different thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, but I do have to say I've thoroughly enjoyed seeing Robert Downey Jr. act again. In no, he's Oppenheimer. Like, that's yeah. my, he's my favorite part of that movie. Like when you talk mm-hmm. when you think about Chaplin or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or Doolittle. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I think most of you have seen Room, but if you have not seen Room, it is devastating. It is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is dark. Trigger warnings uh, galore. Um, but yeah, check that out. And uh, Alex, you're number one. Yeah, so I'm going easy here. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Is there any among us that did not choose everything, everywhere, all at once as number one? I chose everything, everywhere, okay. all at once. Yeah, yeah. it just... I mean, we all everybody. We all everybody. It's, yeah, it's just it's so great. It's so heartfelt. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Yeah, no, I know. That, that's how I feel. It's just like I had no problem. Just like, yes, yeah, number. That was the easiest one to do. And mm-hmm. a lot I of wrote it, that first. Yeah. A lot of it for me is just the fact that like I love, you know, like we grew up in like, you know, there's movies, there's novel adaptations of them, there's comic books, there's all these different mediums and stuff like that in which we can ingest a singular story. And for me, everything everywhere all at once can only exist on film. Like, I cannot read that yeah. book. I cannot read that comic. I cannot, you know, listen to that radio drama. You know, it doesn't work. It Ooh, doesn't. a brilliant way of uh, describing it. Thank I love you. that. It doesn't, it doesn't transit. Like, it sticks within its own thing. And like, you, it's, it's, it's the uh, house of leaves of movies. It's just totally unadaptable from like the base format in which it, it's made. Well, I wonder what the script looked like. Oh, I'm sure it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But like. <laughs> Have you seen the script for Oppenheimer, by the way? Sorry. <laughs> No, it's written in first person. He, yeah, because yeah. Nolan being Nolan, swinging yeah. his big Nolan dick around. Wrote it in first person. Wrote it in first person uh, as Oppenheimer. Yeah. And then there's a line where it sets, I forget what it's called, but it's like setting the scene and it just says, we are fucking. And it's the sex scene with Florence Pugh and and silly and, and uh, Killian Murphy. And uh, I, know, I just thought that was yeah. funny. Like it's he literally wrote that like, Haha, we are fucking. Yeah. 
I think the older I get, the more I uh, tend to roll my eyes at Christopher Nolan. It's I don't I know what that says eyes. about yeah. me. <laughs> I have the actual like novelization of the script for Batman Begins, which I know is more of a, a the David S. Goyer uh, vehicle. Yeah. But the way that's written, like how he writes scene to scene is so interesting because it'll just be like and like this list of like, and this happens, this happens, this happens, which then takes us to dot, dot, dot. And it's like interior bank day, like whatever. And everything breaks out. It's like, and then we smash cut to and it's the next scene, like the scene header and everything like that. He writes it so smooth and it transitions so well from scene to scene but with everything everywhere all at once yeah i mean it's super heartfelt i think it is the perfect movie to kind of like in this sort of not post post covid world like have a movie that is this love letter to empathy and for caring and for you know generational yeah, people, trauma and people levy like that. a criticism at this movie because I, I i reviewed it online mm-hmm. which will always get idiots <clears throat> yeah coming at you right but they can't read but I talked about how relatable the movie was. <laughs> yeah. And I got so much troll criticism of it, like, oh, are you an Asian American? Like, you can relate so much. There's nothing relatable about but that movie. But everybody has generational trauma. This is, you know, uh, yeah, it's everybody a has ubiquitously relatable movie. Yeah. God yeah. damn it. And Sorry. like the fact yeah. that, like, uh, a buddy of mine described it as the most Alex ass movie ever made. Mm. Like where it is just my particular brand of unhinged, of surrealism, of just like there are no rules, like whatever you want to write. Like, oh, I'm sorry. The big like space monolith in this movie is a bagel. You know, like all of these things were just like, fuck it. Like there are absolutely no rules. Gloves are off. Like, let's make something that let's make DIY the Matrix and, you know, like roll this out. I I fell in love with it from the from the trailer. Really? This is one of the few movies we reviewed. Right after we saw it, like all mm-hmm. four of we had a guest. I think Sean was on that episode. Yeah. And Andy was here. So it was four of us. We all went to the theater, watched mm-hmm. it together. We recorded before we went and saw it. And yeah. Then okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. let's let's pray it's actually as good as we hope it is. And yeah. then we started the episode again. Like, OK, it was. No, and like, we were all all four of us. Hands down. were floored when we got home and sat down yeah. to record. I mean, it was just a. I think the the biggest knock against that I've heard from anybody is like it's just too silly, and it's like yeah, no, I agree. Like it probably is too silly, but like it's perfectly silly for me. Mm-hmm. No, like, maybe, maybe, yeah. yeah. But, but like think, hot dog fingers and stuff. Like if you well, say yeah, that out loud, like, it sounds silly. The hot dog fingers, exactly. If you describe it, they give it, it's like yeah. And then he like to be able to change time. You know, he slams a, a war butt plug up his ass. You yeah, know, you're just like <laughs> what? Like I. Yeah. But in the moment, it fits. It fit nothing in it. No, nothing in that movie doesn't fit. Yeah. Like Rakakuni. Yeah. And then to call back Rakakuni. Do you know yeah. Rakakuni was auctioned off, like the actual Rakakuni? Did you know like, they had Randy Newman write a fucking song for Rakakuni? No. Yes. Randy Did Newman. They really? Yeah. They actually had Randy Newman write, like, now we're cooking. Rakakuni. And <laughs> no, when they're cooking, he's like, now we're cooking and now we're cooking. And when, like, she stumbles into the actual Rakakuni universe, that was a Randy Newman written song. Like, there's just such a level of, like, love and care uh, that I just think you can't. I think that will be a movie that is heavily influential in like 25 or 30 years, but in ways that we can't recreate. Yeah. It's just going to be one of those where it's like, you were a big fan of that one, huh? Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. No, to this day, I still, as as someone who, you know, I don't make movies, but I'm like in the video production world. Like I watch this movie and I'm to this day, I, every time I watch it, I'm just absolutely floored. Like, how did they fucking make this? Yeah. How did they take something so dense and with so many plot threads and mm-hmm. different universes that are so bananas and different from one, one another. How did they make that into this perfectly 
uh, congealed story yeah. of empathy and love and and family. Like it, you, it blows my mind. You find out they did the turn down to what for what music video, mm. and then you're like, I understand oh, the yeah. production aspect of it now. Yeah, yeah, from an editing they, standpoint, they, there. They, yeah, it's Swiss Army Man. I get this makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> such a such a great film. And, I can't add anything. And as someone like and I and I I've spoken to this before, but like this movie came out right as I'm like going through my the mm-hmm. tail end of my divorce saga. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you talking about relatability, like the whole sub story with like uh Kihi Kwan going through his, like, yeah. he's this husband who loves his wife, but his wife isn't like giving him anything. Yeah. And so he files for divorce and it wrecks him. And then the story of like, I, you know, being positive all the time is the way I fight. Like, that's like, I was like, yeah, it's me. Mm-hmm. I feel seen by yeah. Kihi Kwan. And so like just watching one of my favorite eighties childhood actors, come back in a way where he like wins the Oscar mm-hmm. and you've got Jamie Lee Curtis in there. You've got Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Sue, who I had didn't know anything about before this movie. And she fucking crushes. Yeah. She should have won over Jamie Lee Curtis. She, she honestly should have. Um, but like the cast is phenomenal. And I mean, you got fucking James Hong is in this too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's got such a great cast. James, uh, James Hong's in every movie. He is in every, he has anywhere where there's big trouble in little China. He's there. <laughs> it's true. Jenny Slate's in it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. love it. Love it's, it so much. We got Marcel her, himself. Yeah, <laughs> Marcel Michelle himself is in there. Mm-hmm. And just the way they're able to like have minor minor characters in the background and then turn around like, oh, they're actually a pretty key player in this mm-hmm. fight scene or they all have like tiny little mini miniature arcs themselves. Yeah. It's it, beautiful. It's the most interesting movie I've seen in years and half of it takes place at a laundromat and the other half takes place at an IRS building. Yes. Yeah. Like, just... There's so many references to other films yeah. and styles, and I'm such a fucking sucker oh, for yeah. that. Yeah. Um, like John Wick. John Wick 4 is my second highest rated movie of the year. I still haven't seen it yet. It, really? The runtime is daunting. That's one of the movies I own twice. Okay. I can give you a Blu-ray of it. Thanks. It's a daunting <laughs> runtime, yeah. but like if you're an action genre fan and sure. you see all of the references, you know, and then fucking uh, Hiroyuki Sonata pops up and shit okay. like that where you're yeah. just like... Fuck yes. I also get tired at like 9.15 at night. So like two, <laughs> two and a half hours. You're going to want to start it by six. Um, How long is it? It's a three hour movie. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I mean, don't be pussies, you guys. Jesus. What are you guys doing with your lives? How much? Splitting up my movies over two guys, nights, that tells you. You guys, for two people that watch a lot of fucking Star Trek, you're really grinding my gears here about a three hour movie. Shaka one. Hey, Every episode shock. of that show is three hours long. <laughs> No, sometimes they feel like it. I'll tell you that. That's the joke. They do feel like it. That's the joke. (laughs) But Shaka with the ball. Just watch it. Make it. Make it so. (laughs) Make it so. So when I watched it in theaters with you guys, and when it came out on um, video, I bought the DVD or the Blu-ray, and I showed it to my wife, and we sat down to watch it. And it's actually one of the last movies we watched together because of my daughter being born. Like, there's not time for that. I thought maybe she Um, exploded. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, RIP. Um, and I had this moment of terror about, I'm like five minutes in and I've told her like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It truly is an yeah. all time good movie. I cannot wait to show you this. I've talked it up for weeks. We sit down, we plus play five minutes in, we're somewhere in the laundromat and it occurs to me, oh no, this movie's fucking weird. And my wife doesn't watch that many movies. You know, she might hate this or just not be into it. You know, mm-hmm. like she watches a, a lot of movies ish, but like she's more apt to watch like Harry Potter again. Yeah. Or White Chicks or something, you know, and just laugh. <laughs> the or classic. The White hot chick, you know. Uh, and the and hot chick. She loves the, the dumb stoner. Cinematic Universe. She the loves CCU. Yeah. <laughs> dumb stoner movies. Um, Does the movie title have chicks in it? I'm in. So we're at the climax. The bagels are spinning. The black <laughs> holes open. I look over at her and she, like me, is 
just beat red, tears streaming down her face. And I'm like, that's why I love you. It's the power of cinema. Uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, anyway, laundry and taxes, crying. Yeah, everyone you know? has a relationship with their mom, right? Everyone has... Right. Or doesn't. Or, do, and or still, doesn't. Yeah, you know, and it still affects Like them. my wife's mom was a crackhead who never spent a day with her. Yeah. Know? And that affected her in, 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 in its own way. And um, not to get dark, but I'm just saying. <laughs> right. Life's well, dark, man. But yeah, like everyone has, I feel like this movie is incredibly relatable. Like you don't have to be a, a Chinese American to like have this yeah. experience. Right. Like yeah. you might not have the exact same generational trauma that they do, but you have a version of it because so everyone has a family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody took their shit out in you somehow. You yeah. Know, like you've experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. Like any of these movies that were, that are, that the central theme is the family. I feel like anybody can pull any sort of relatability from that. Cause again, everyone has a family or doesn't. And it's a brilliant comedy. It's a brilliant action yeah. movie. Yeah. Like it's, it's a brilliant sci-fi movie. Best action. It is quite literally everything everywhere all, all at once. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I just, I keep going back to the whole, like, Oh, was it really that relatable for you? I just imagine you saying about Banshees of Inishirin and yeah. someone just be like, you'd be like, that was a really relatable movie. We've all gone through breakups and have had to like dump friends and relations. Someone be like, Oh, do you live on oh. a tiny Island in Ireland? <laughs> it's just like oh. <laughs> media literacy. at some, at some points it's fucking like, lost. Truly Man, dead. That's lost. It's truly yeah. dead. Yeah. Um, Cause when I watch a movie, I try to find what I can identify with. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's an active, an mm-hmm. active watching yeah. kind of exercise. Yeah. yeah. And I got that lesson in Alcoholics Anonymous uh, where somebody came to me and I was like in my halfway house and I called my sponsor and I was like, dude, I don't like any of these people. They're all broke ass crackheads and stuff that have been to prison 30 times. Like I just screwed up mm-hmm. and I ended up stuck here. I can't learn anything from any of these people. I got to go. Yeah. And he cussed me out and he was like, you fucking loser. Nobody wants you to go anywhere. You have nowhere to go. You think you're better than those people. And he like ripped into me. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I flipped it around and tried to just actively find what I could identify with and everyone else there. And I ended up learning how to, how to hold a job, how to be a father, how to make my bed, how to brush my teeth, how to be a human being Yeah, from all these people that I thought I had nothing in common with, mm-hmm. you know, people from like that, that smoked crack for 30 years and were from Philadelphia and ended up on a bus here and stuff. And like, they would teach me so much about myself and the world and the universe. Mm-hmm. And so that's whenever I engage with art, it's like, no matter what it is, it's like, okay, what is yeah. the truth here that I can see? Um, and, and this movie doesn't even make it hard. Everything mm-hmm. ever doesn't even make it hard. It's like, so obviously, uh, the human experience in a nutshell, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. Triple yeah. whammy. Number one. Number one. Consensus. Every, everything everywhere all at once, baby. And I, I wanted to be cool. Like I wanted to be, like, part know. of me was like, I still the high school idiot. That's like, I don't want to put that for number one. Oh. It just came out. Everybody expects it. I want to throw the witch up there or something. Be true to you, man. But it's just the, the honest answer. The, the honest answer yeah. was everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys for listening. What there's, are your favorites? Let us know. Yeah. There's 15 ish. Great. A24 films to check out uh, a company that is uh, has no problem paying its actors and writers. And uh, they've had a bunch of movies come out this year that are like the talk mm-hmm. to me horror movie. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites of the year. I mm-hmm. loved it so much. Uh, Past Lives is likely going to be my favorite of the year. I just haven't seen it yet. Sure. Uh, just from the things that my friends are saying about it. I'm like, oh, man, that sounds like yeah. my jam. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we love you guys. Thanks for supporting the show. Um Best of luck to the the people striking this week and the deal mm-hmm. that they're getting. Hopefully it ends yeah. soon. Um, Again, you can support the strike by going on to our merch store and buying the Striking Things shirt, the proceeds of which will go towards 
those who strike. Yeah, thank you to everybody who has done that. I know you're still waiting on your shirt, but we're donating that money to uh, the strikers for sure. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. That's all the time we have for right now. My name is Kit Laser. And I'm Steve. And I have been Alex. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been Streaming Things. Happy streaming.